Attention, all podcasters. It's time to get epic. You're listening to Off the Post Podcast, broadcasting live from beautiful downtown British Columbia. Welcome to Off the Post Podcast. We're uh, we're brand new to this. We're all gonna keep it kind of fresh and jaggy today, and keep it jazzy for all y'all. And um, yeah, I'm just gonna introduce you to some of the members. I'm I'm Brennan. I'm gonna be uh, the host every couple of weeks here and here and then. And uh, we're tagged along by Kaiser and Cody. Yeah. What's up? Yeah, we're, we're going to swap the uh, the hosting duties here and there. So, Also, I'm really proud of you for remembering the name of the podcast this time. <laughs> Beyond the, uh, the lost episode that we recorded. Yeah. We, we didn't really this know. This is, uh, yeah, this is our first go at this. Um, <laughs> trying to keep it, keep it fresh and keep it going. And a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about is um, NHL based. We can talk about a little bit of junior hockey, a little BCHL. Um, some WHL stuff, if you know that's what we get into. But um, today we're going to kick it off. We're going to talk about hub cities. It's it's been an interesting week around for the NHL about hub cities. Um, Want to get your boys' thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean it's pretty pretty obvious that they can't really do anything in uh, the U.S. with the hub cities, given the circumstances going on there, where where their um, reopening was. Nothing short of catastrophic, so it makes a lot of sense that they would go with two Canadian teams. And, of course, it'll be a big help um, for Canada, considering everything's just starting to slowly open up again. So it's pretty exciting to have something going on in Canada. So just hopefully everything will be safe, and I think Canada is as safe as it can be with the Hub City. So I think they did a, a good job uh, selecting uh, I'm actually surprised they didn't go Vegas, knowing the NHL. They, they like to make a lot of bad and poor premature decisions, so I was surprised they didn't jump on Vegas. No, I'm, I'm serious. I'm surprised they didn't, you know, chase the money there with the, the American market, right? Like, I know fans can't attend the game, but, like, the viewership still. Like, Americans, like, if, if it's in the U.S., like, they'll jump on that, right? So I'm surprised they didn't do the, uh, the Vegas idea, even with the rising cases. Like, I'm, I'm happy they didn't do it because it was clearly the right choice to go to all – Canadian hub cities, but Toronto one's not surprising uh, with the connection there with Sportsnet, their main offices in Toronto as well. Uh, it's another big market there as well. Of course, again, the fans, you know, can't attend the game. The TV viewership and sponsors there, they'll, they'll boost the, the lost revenue they're looking up to. If they don't play at all this year, they're looking up to about, I think, $1.1 billion in revenue Jesus, loss. That's a lot. Yeah. So if they can get anything, and I think I think uh, the reported number, if they finish the entire season, like the rest of the season off, they get $450 million back. Wow. So if they can do anything in their power to finish the season, I think it's the, uh, it's, I think it's the right way to go. I think the players want to play. I know some of them don't feel the safest, but they, they know that if they don't play, uh, things like their escrow are just going to be ridiculously high next year, next season. And part of me, uh, I know we kind of all laughed at Jason Kenny, the premier of Alberta, bit for the, especially the uh, – 
the come to Edmonton video where they didn't show Edmonton at all. Part of me was, uh, this is like the, I wouldn't say, I guess the petty side of me, but part of me didn't like seeing Edmonton get it because I didn't want to see Jason Kenny happy. <laughs> I'll try to keep politics out of it, but uh, I, it's, I think Edmonton's, if not Vancouver, if it's not going to be Vancouver, Edmonton's a safe spot for it. That's yeah. my, my take. I mean, it, it's definitely a surprise Vegas didn't get it, considering mm-hmm. you look at the confirmed cases there. They, they got 20,873. They had another 985 today. It's definitely like something you want to look at into account. But, you know, I've, I've, I went to a hockey game in Vegas actually in December. And you got to understand that that is a hockey town. Oh, yeah. If you've ever been to a hockey game there, everybody's passionate about it. They're all into it. They want to. They want to be part of the city. It's obviously something new there. But when you look at Toronto and and Edmonton area, Toronto's got fourteen thousand cases itself. Mm-hmm. So the numbers. It's it's that difference of having the Canadian government telling the NHL that when teams come here, they gotta they gotta quarantine for two weeks, and that that's obviously not something they want to narrow down to. Because as soon as you get in, you want to start everybody playing. And that's that's definitely something that um, is going to have to be taken into account is because Canadian government with that quarantine for two weeks, that you're going to end up losing two weeks. So if you don't kick this off sooner and later, we're already July 3rd. Yeah. I feel like there are no great options. There's just some options that are better than others. Yeah. Like you look at the uh, – like you said, how many – sorry, how many cases were in Toronto? You said you had the number there. What's it? Five. Uh, well, in total, they've got, they've got 14,000. Okay. And I think uh, – uh, BC, I believe, is at three thousand. And Doctor Bonnie Henry, the uh, the top doctor here, she actually she said to the NHL, like, get lost. It's not yeah. safe for our province. Like, the NHL wanted full control of. Hey, if someone gets sick, we need to do our best to keep going. But uh, Horgan and Bonnie both said that. Hey, if someone gets sick, we need to shut this down mm-hmm. right away. And the NHL wouldn't agree to that. So. Get, get lost her, by the go way. to Toronto. Uh, Jonathan Huberdeau brought up that point. Um, what happens if a player in the playoffs gets COVID? Marner like, brought it up too. Yeah. yeah so what, what does happen? Because I, I feel like the league is ignoring that possibility. They're just kind of treating it as a, we'll cross that bridge if we come to it. But, I mean, you can't just – eliminate the team <laughs> like it's it's gonna be odd or you can't just put them on uh on ir because if they're playing with covid then everybody else in the building everyone on the ice is at risk so what happens if it goes all the way to the cup finals and then the player gets covid what happens then i think uh we got to be grateful that – look at the NBA. Look at the uh, MLS. They're playing their uh, return to plays. They're playing in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> Arguably, it has to be the worst place in the world to be playing right now. But I think the NHL staying out of America is the absolute best-case scenario, even if it's in Toronto, who's still kind of not doing the best. Like, Florida wishes they were Toronto right now. So I think – them being in Toronto, as long as they're not in the States, it's an absolute win. I mean, I, I think one of the things – you bring up that good point of the NBA going to Florida, but you also have to take into account that they're playing in the ESPN wide world of sports, mm-hmm. which is – it's it's. I mean, I've been there. It's, it's a big area, and especially with – you know, Florida's cases are up through the roof right now, but 
the, it's all teams locked into the same park. There's mm-hmm. not there's not much room to like there's not a lot of people coming in and out. It's not like like you'd say Vegas and Toronto and Edmonton where you got you got movement again. It's it's everybody's pretty much locked in, and you you're in, you're in. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it, all it takes though is that one guy to break the bubble, and then like. I don't know if you guys – I know you don't keep up with basketball too much, Kaiser, but nope. it, all it takes is a J.R. Smith to go to a strip club in Florida, <laughs> and it's all over. I mean, J.R. Smith just signed a contract with the Lakers. I won't get into it too much because we're hockey, but, I mean, it just takes – it takes one guy, right? One guy ditches the bubble, comes back. His team's got it. The team they play, they got it, and it, it just – it spreads like a wildfire. I think, I think it's going to have to move things where teams and leagues just accept it and play through it i said this the first weeks when they said they canceled hockey so this is something you can't because the time that's going to take you to figure out how to reset and get back on track is much longer than the problem of having to play through it and just sitting players out every once in a while mm-hmm. i understand that there is there is a spread it, it's a bad spread but at the same time to kaiser's point you can't they're not taking into an account that it's going to happen and inevitably when you have huge groups of people coming in together from all over, you know, you get Montreal Canadiens players coming in from Finland. You get Canucks players coming in from Sweden. Everybody's going to be together at some point. What's going to happen then, right? And players, they're not just going to want to sit in hotels all night and do nothing. They're all going to want to go out with each other. They're going to want to interact. They're going to want to be people. That's definitely something they got to look at. And I think, I think one thing the NHL is going to have to definitely look into is just playing through it. And like, the thing you mentioned about players coming from Sweden and coming from uh, Finland is you got to think too, some players uh, live in Florida, they live in Texas, like, and they're coming from their, their cities and their States into these, where these training camps are being played and these games. So like even where it's the worst down there in Florida and Texas and Arizona, like they're going to be moving to where they're, the games are being played and they're going to bring that there too. And it's, it's, it's got potential for like, I don't think we can't avoid like, what is it? 35 positive tests out of the last 300 they tested. Like that's not avoidable. Like it's going to happen. Like they, that's just not a thing they can get away from, but they, what they can do is get those tests done, get them quarantined for the for the two weeks and they can keep it contained as the best they can, but that's, that's all they can do. It, it's definitely going to be, it's, it's going to be one of those things you're going to watch through and, be able to tell your grandchildren and great-grandchildren that you got to see the NHL play through uh, something that uh, nobody else really went through, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely a tough – it's going to be a touchy topic later on in the future, but as of right now, it's it's one of those weird times where you got to just, as per se, bite the bullet and just keep it going. On the, uh, on the hockey side of things, though, I think a break like this will really benefit the young teams. You look at the Maple Leafs, the – you got the Canucks, the Avs. I think this will all be a huge boost to them. And with the Leafs, their biggest problem come playoff time is Frederick Anderson is just too tired. Frederick Anderson now has two and a half, three months of rest, and he's coming in completely healthy. Like, we don't think about that. That's going to be huge for the Leafs. Not to mention guys like Nathan McKinnon, who's arguably one of the fastest players in the league, has now been rested for three months. Like, these could be huge factors come game time Pittsburgh Penguins as well they're always entering playoffs just bruised and battered exactly and they're might even have guys like Jake Gensel back uh for the playoffs so that's going to be huge for a team like Penguins I mean the other thing I look at in that case is um how long these guys have been sitting around 
<laughs> they're not, you know, they, they just brought back ice times last week where teams can start returning to practice facilities and working out and all that. But these guys have been sitting on the couch for two, three months and everywhere in the world. So, yeah. you know, they've all been playing video games and stuff. Everybody's out of shape. So I don't know if this is such a, per se, um, as Cody referred to it, a break as much as it's kind of a pain in the butt for everybody right now because it's it's time to get going. It's it's hockey season. I actually think you're going to see a pretty interesting playoffs if it does play. Oh, through. yeah. It's going to be like what, what we saw going into the break where we saw the top teams being like Boston, St. Louis, Washington, Colorado. That doesn't matter. Like this is a whole different game. And like to your point there, you mentioned uh, like with the players taking breaks there or being off the ice for however long. They said today Elias Pettersson was on the radio today saying he hasn't skated in three months. I know it's going to give the Canucks an advantage, but like stuff like that. But he hasn't played in three months. Like that's going to be, like that's going to be huge for him, right? That's yeah. It's definitely a. It's. I mean, it's a good step for the league in the right direction to see you guys getting back out there. But as a hockey player myself, I know when you don't step on the ice, you know you take summers off and stuff every year. It, stepping back on the ice in September is not fun. When you start, you know, you get a little slip and slide going, and you got to sometimes catch your footing, but. If these guys don't have enough time to catch the footing and they're just thrown right back into a little bit of action, it could be quite interesting games you're going to see. Yeah, everything, like like I mentioned, like the top teams that we saw going into the break, like does that does that really matter? I don't think so. Like all the all these teams have had time to kind of digest what they've done and be in it, be able to game plan their next uh, games coming up and. It's just – it's not going to be the same. I think for the top teams that have those play-ins, they're um, going to have somewhat of an advantage there because instead of getting thrown straight into a series, a lot of those teams are going to be looking at those three-round robin games, the warm-up for the real thing, whereas the play-in teams, they don't have that. They're going straight into a, an elimination series. So I think they're being rewarded with their regular season play um, in that aspect – where I think we're going to see the first couple games in those plans are going to be fairly sloppy hockey. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, which teams can rise to the occasion and which ones are slow to start. I definitely think that's a good point you touch on with teams getting a little bit of a, a hop in their step per se. But um I'm kind of middle ground with you there. I, I think the teams with the play-ins are going to have a much better advantage over the top four round robins because the fact they're going to be playing in a competitive series for it's going to be five games tops, but you got to win three of those. That's that's hard-nosed hockey. you got to keep your foot to the pedal and never stop, whereas these round robin teams are, okay, we can relax a little bit. we just got to play these three guys, and if we place high, we place high. If we place low, we do. It, it doesn't matter, but that's definitely something to take into account is these play-in teams are, they're playing for their, their season per se, or if someone will refer to it, that 12.5% chance of Lafreniere. <laughs> that's another story for a different day. But uh, the one thing as a stars fan, it kind of scares me. You got, look at the way they started the season. They started one, seven and one. Their, their average age is it's gotta be in the high twenties. Their best players are, are up there in age. They're, they've been sitting around. I know Joe Pavelski. I think he's been back in San Jose running. He runs like a little restaurant or something. He hasn't. He hasn't been practicing at all. So these guys that are you know higher up in age, there they're going to come back. I think they're going to be at a big disadvantage, and that's kind of the one thing as a Stars fan that kind of you know gets me a little worried, right? Yeah, it's definitely. 
it is something worth worrying about. And as a Habs fan, I, l- I look at it. I saw a post yesterday that uh, our Terry Lekkinen and Joel Armia came back off a plane from Finland. Mm-hmm. Who knows what they've been doing in Finland, but I know Carey Price just flew out from Washington State, which is, I mean, like most of these guys, they haven't, they haven't gone to work. You know, they're, they're relaxed and they're taking their time, which is, it's understandable considering the circumstances we're living in, but at the same time, you know, you, you guys got a job, and it's time to take care of business to get get up going on that cup chase. All right, so last week we had the uh, the NHL draft lottery results. Uh, I don't know if you guys if you live under a rock, you missed it. Uh, third, Ottawa. Second, <laughs> don't laugh like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Okay. Uh, second, LA Kings. First, the NHL unnamed team. Uh, so the NHL unnamed team. This leaves the eight losers from the play-in rounds to be able to grab this spot. So you can, you could see Edmonton, you could see Pittsburgh, you could see Toronto, Vancouver. All go for this. Go for the top pick here. Uh, it's not right, but it makes for great drama and great TV. So I'm here for it. I, I feel uh, like I have yeah. the unpopular opinion where I think it's perfectly fine for like a a, a playing team to get it. Like you you've seen so many teams in the past that have just been terrible and have just like squandered first overall picks and just have done nothing with it. Like this is the point of a draft lottery. It's so teams can't just deliberately tank and be guaranteed a solid pick. Like you would you would complain if a team just kept tanking over and over again and hoarding all these top picks. So it doesn't make sense for people to complain about a play-in team getting it because that's just the nature of the lottery. I mean, i got to be honest on this one. Mm-hmm. No hatred here. I don't want to hear an Oilers fan complain. Oh, no. The lineup oh, yeah. this team could have had without trades next the- to oh. other. Man, like... Yakupov, oh. Nugent Hopkins, McDavid. Like, how many first overall? Barzell. Still be oh, mediocre. Barzell, the Griffin. How many times do you get lucky before the, the well starts to run dry? But I do have to say, I, I got to be honest with you, boys. I think with this whole COVID thing going on, I think the draft lottery was a little bit rigged just to keep eyes on it. I, I agree with that 100%. I called it as soon as we were watching it. I, or, like, a, play, a playing team can get third or second. I believe that. But just. Just first overall, I just and here's the thing: they do the uh, after it's over, they show the behind the scenes where they show Batman doing the draft lottery. But did they do that this year with COVID? Do they show that behind the scenes stuff? I mean, honestly, I I don't think it's it's rigged. I think you you've looked at the draft lotteries in the past. A team like this hasn't really gotten it yet, so I think it's it's bound to happen eventually. Um, so I'm not entirely surprised that it's happened. Uh, let me raise you a question though. What happens if that player, what if Lafreniere, what if it goes to Chicago, big market team needs help? What if it goes to New York? What if it goes to this original six beast? What if it goes to Toronto? Then I, then I think we got some questions. If it goes to, if it goes to Minnesota, if it goes to Columbus, I don't think we're going to think much about it, but if it goes to like, for example, the top three draft lottery teams last year, New Jersey, New York, Chicago. That, that, I'm not saying it's rigged, but I mean, those are all three pretty decent markets there, especially you got the two top six teams there. But I think it's something to question, and it could even go – I heard this on the radio too. They were saying uh, on TSN 1040, they were saying, what if it goes to Arizona, who is just they, – they could use an elite – some 
would say generational. I wouldn't know if I'd say generational, but an elite potentially. star potentially to get that market back up and running. I think that I think if Lafreniere goes to Arizona, everyone's who you get Barrett Hayton and Lafreniere playing on the same line in the World Juniors. We saw that was lethal. Didn't even think of that. Absolutely lethal. Can you imagine them playing in the NHL? Oh, yeah, that would that would be ridiculous. But yeah, I think no matter like where he goes, people are going to be calling rigged. If it goes to a smaller market, they're going to say, "Oh, they're just trying to reboot the smaller market." If they're going to a powerhouse. Then they're just gonna be saying, "Oh, we—they're trying to make this big market team uh, a, a dynasty. They're trying to get eyes in on on this market." So I think no matter what happens, people are gonna be saying it's rigged. But eventually, it, it's gonna happen. Like in a lottery system, eventually <laughs> there is going to be a small percentage team getting the big picks. I actually, I, I definitely agree with you on that one. I think there is gonna be a small lottery team getting it, but. At the same time, I I look at everything kind of combined, and you got to think about not now, but the long term from now. And Lafreniere, he's going to be a good player. He's going to get his entry level like everybody else at nine hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, right? That that's good cap space. It's as he starts to get older, if he becomes an elite scorer like a Crosby or McDavid, this guy's going to expect big money, big contracts. Not a lot of teams are going to be able to put that out, or they're not going to have the cap space. Therefore, they're going to have to invest in one guy to kind of run the show. That It's going to kind of – the way I look at it, I see it. He's going to end up inevitably being a one-man show in his 30s mm-hmm. because of, you know, if he becomes that elite player, he's going to want the money. He's going to want the looks. He's going to want to be just looked at. Let me uh, – <clears throat> excuse me. Let me ask you guys a question here. What What is the – for the NHL, for the other 30 teams, I guess soon to be the other 31 NHL teams – what is the worst case scenario? For example, if Lafreniere goes to Edmonton, they got this top, this big three on the forward group, and it might be, if not, will be the dangerous, most dangerous forward group in the league. Like, what, what's what's the scariest outcome for Lafreniere? It's for me. It's got to be either Edmonton or Toronto. Just off the top of my head. For me, it's Penguins. Like they're always just right in the race and adding just for no cap space whatsoever, adding this just lethal weapon. And look who's been playing against Crosby, uh, or playing alongside Crosby, rather. They've just been getting guys like Sheary, Simon, players that are serviceable. I mean, now now they have uh, Zucker, of course. But they've been taking – I mean, Gensel's been playing with uh, Malkin. Oh, has he? Now. Yeah. Oh. I mean, Gensel moves up and on the lineup. Yeah. But, They've been sticking players that have been in the past like bottom six players and putting them alongside Crosby because Crosby can help elevate them. And if they get Lafreniere, they're going to want to put him against Crosby to not only help coach him uh, with a player like Crosby, but also he's going to be lethal beside Crosby. If you've seen what Crosby can do with guys like Sheary and uh, Simon, that's going to be ridiculous. That's going to be terrifying having Lafreniere on, on his wing. And to your point there, when Phil Kessel came in, he was playing with Malkin. Yep. And then he went down and was playing with uh, Nick Benino as well. With HBK. Carl, yeah, Carl Hagelin. So it's like I, you're bang on there. Like Sidney Crosby has turned Chris Kunitz, who's a fine NHL player, but he's turned Chris Kunitz into an Olympic athlete. Yep. Like that's just – 
And to your point, you get Alexis Lafreniere on there for $925,000 for three years. And who knows, as we look at it right now, I think the Penguins window might be open for maybe another three to four years. And now with Lafreniere on the Penguins, you're solidifying your cup window, your last run at it. I think you make a great point there. You can make the argument that Toronto or Edmonton would be scarier because um, they're kind of younger. They're more more up and coming. Um, whereas the Penguins are kind of leaving their their prime. Mm-hmm. But I think if we're just going at uh, more short-term, uh, during that window where he's on that entry-level contract, I think the Penguins would be the scariest and that's, team to have. Yeah, play. and that's what I, when I was referring to, was when I say the scariest team, like you look at, for, exam- for example, Lafreniere with Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares. And even though the defense might just be meh, like that, they can outscore anyone. And you, you see that for the next 10 years, maybe Tavares kind of fades out in about six or seven, but you see that big four for the next 10 years, the, the rest of the NHL is going to be afraid of that. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that scares me most is you look at what teams could come into this situation and getting Lafreniere, that top number one pick. And the part that, that gets me going a little bit is you could, you could see a draft day trade. You could see that number one trade get, you know, you could see that number one pick get traded somewhere. And I think the scariest destination for it would be Vegas. They got a lot of weapons to give up. And if you throw Lafreniere in that lineup, or even a team like Boston that's starting to age now, they're going to want to rejuvenate. They're going to get rid of a couple key guys to throw, you know, a young guy in the mix to get another, you know, a couple years out of Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron to kind of mentor this young guy into the system and build up from the top there. Plus, whatever team they're going to make a trade with, it's going to get some key players that they can start building on as well. The thing is, though, what would it take to trade for Lafreniere? I, like, I think I think he's untouchable. I think that number one overall pick is untradeable. Like, what what does Vegas give up? And I know I don't want to put you guys on the spot here. But what does Vegas give up? What does Boston give up that they can give? For example, let's say let's say the Canucks win it. What can they give them that that helps both teams? I just I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the pieces could be. I, I see Vegas giving up Cody Glass, a young defenseman, and a an aged forward. I don't think that would be enough. I don't think so. Because think... you, you look at uh, Lafreniere, he's not just a typical first overall guy. He is the first player since Crosby to win back-to-back CHL Player of the Year. Like, he is a potentially generational player. Like, this is a guy who's for the past three years, scouts have said this guy is first overall. I don't. I don't even want to say these. What does it does it take? McAvoy from Boston. Like, what does it take? What does it take from like, for example, if you're Vancouver, if you got this pick, what do you say to Vegas? We want Shea Theodore. What do you say to Boston? We want Charlie McAvoy. And I'm sure the calls die right there. You look. You look at Vegas. What's their defensive group after Shea Theodore? You got Nate Schmidt, who's Schmidt's pretty good. Alec Martinez, who's kind of getting up there in age. I know I'm forgetting another name there too. Uh, Braden McNabb. Derek and sorry, who? Derek England. He's getting up there, he's but not either. He's, but he's, yeah, yeah, the age group for his age. And you look at Boston. Chara's. I, I'm. I'm impressed by Chara. What a beast. He's. But he's on the way out soon. Carlo's pretty good. I don't think. I think Krug's gone in free agency. Like it's just yeah. you can't replace. You can't replace. Uh, excuse me. You can't replace McAvoy. And you, Certainly can't replace Shea Theodore, who was arguably a top five defenseman this year. 
I mean, yeah, but at the same time, I, that, that is something that I am generally concerned for coming into the draft days. Who takes this thing and what team, like to your point, you know, you see the Pittsburghs, you see all these teams that Edmonton, Toronto, first of all, does Toronto have the cap space to bring a guy like that in and keep him for longer than three years? Yeah, and then you look at, you kind of look at every situation. I was going to bring that up later because Toronto, what happens if they get Lafreniere? Because they have three contracts that are five or six years and over 10 million. So what would happen there? <laughs> and it's like they don't really have any bad players on bad contracts. You could argue, no. you could argue Marner, you could argue Marner's a little overpaid, Matthews might be a little overpaid, but they're not bad players and they've they've stepped up and they've earned those dollars. Like mm-hmm. what's the worst contract on that team? Is it Neilander? And Neilander's like he's a great player. And that contract's not that bad, but it's just they don't have they don't have that one contract. Like, like the Canucks have Louis Erickson. That's the one eyesore. <laughs> like the Leafs don't have that. Like what and to your point, when his three years is up, uh, what happens? They don't have they have all this money invested in their big guys. This is not to mention Morgan Riley and Frederick Anderson are UFAs coming up. And that's another Morgan Riley, what is he making? It's about five million or so. You're gonna add you're adding at least three million onto that. But you're gonna add at least eight. Anderson's gonna be making, I would say, around six, to my point. So it's like, where can you get this money from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, Ian, Ian Scott's, uh, they're still going to take a, a few years at least on Ian Scott mm-hmm. until there's another goalie who's worth being a starter for uh, Toronto. So a guy like Anderson, they're, you could even see him getting more just because they know that uh, they he's really a, need a guy like him. Yeah, like he, he's, what make that, he's what makes that team run. Like, yes, you can score all the goals in the world with Matthews, Monitor, Tavares, Nylander, but if you can't get saves, and we saw it earlier this year, if you can't get saves, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You look at the backup situation there. It's, it's been solved with Jack Campbell. But when Michael Hutchinson was there, they, they couldn't get a save from him. They, I believe that he was like 0-8 and eight to start the year or something. Like, it, it, they couldn't get a win with a backup goalie. So, you, Frederick Anderson, he'll know his value. His agent will know his value. And... Like we argue, I argue that he's worth about six million. But to that team, he might even be worth more. I think, I, yeah, I think he could easily go six point five. I, I, I think I agree with that. And at the same time, though, I, I look at Garrett Sparks. He's, he's not young anymore. But at mm-hmm. the same time, if Anderson decides that money in Toronto is not where it's at, he doesn't want to play there anymore. They do have a decent kind of goaltender that can move along and kind of hold up his own for a little bit. Not saying that they'll be a great team, but. He can definitely keep his pace up and kind of wait for them to arrive for that new one. Uh, who are I know I I've talked about this before, but who do you guys have for the uh, the biggest losers and the biggest winners of the uh, the draft lottery? I mean, I'd I'd say losers. Ottawa almost had that second and third. I mean, it's of of course a draft like this, it's not going to make the biggest difference in the world, but. That's still got to hurt if you're an Ottawa fan. How about you, Brandon? I still have my losers as the San Jose Sharks. That's, that's fair. Yeah. Right? I mean, of, of course, I feel like that's the obligatory. Lead. Could add the third or the fifth overall pick. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go off the board with this. I think the biggest losers, or big, I guess biggest losers, are going to be the seven play-in teams that lose thinking that they're going to get this generational stud and they fall short. Like... <laughs> You, you've seen it before. You've seen Buffalo do it when they've 
tanked. I'm not going to, I'm not saying teams are going to tank in the play in rounds, but you've seen Buffalo just, just tank as hard as they can for McDavid and they come up short. They get Eichel, which is one of the best consolation prizes you can get, but you could tell they were clearly unhappy with the result. And I'm not like, what if you're a team? What if you're, what if you're Montreal? What if you're Chicago? Like you're not going to intentionally lose, but if you're the management, what are you thinking? And I'll ask you this too. You're a Habs fan. What are your thoughts going into that playing series? What are you thinking about the most? You're the 24th seed. I, I mean, one thing that the Habs fans and just the Habs organization as a whole are looking at is they they can get through Pittsburgh. That is something that I mean, we beat them this season already a few times. They they've shown that they're they're an old team, and if you can hit them at the corners, Montreal's still a young and up and coming team. If we get price full strength in the net. There's a possibility we can beat them, but at the same time, you also want to bring home that home camp, that hometown kid. Draft was supposed to be in Montreal this year. You got a Quebec over, you got a Quebec kid going first overall. Why not come home? Let, let me raise the question to you real quick. If Price, I'm, there's no way Price will be 2014, 2015 Price. We'll just never see that again. But if Price stands on his head, do you think the Habs can have a legit shot at taking out Crosby and the Penguins? I think if Price stands on his head and plays the best he's played so far, we, we take the pens in four. Wow. I mean, the thing is, you're you're riding a lot on Price, but if you look on the other end, there's Stanley Cup champion Tristan Jari. He's no slouch either. And I, I mean, but I, you look at the same problem with Matt Murray over there. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Matt Murray's uh, taking a seat uh, to, to Jari for now. But um, if you compare the forward groups... Pittsburgh has the the clear advantage. Makes you say that. Um, continue numbers. New bars. <laughs> go ahead. Numbers yeah. don't lie, but any, any any sort of metric you want to look at yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. Um, and looking at goaltenders, it, it, depending on the form, it could go either way. Really, like you could even see. I wouldn't be surprised if Jari outperformed Price. Um, because we've seen Price kind of have some consistency issues recently. If we do see a solid carry Price, and he could definitely be an X factor for that. But again, um, you're looking at another solid goaltender on the other end of the ice. So how far can a goaltender go? Because as a Flames fan, you see the, um, that Mike, Mike Smith standing on his head. <laughs> last year uh, it's hard, hard to even say that i know but um honestly the, the habs top four defense like maybe they haven't been performing to their standards but it's not bad shea weber's had a pretty good year jeff weber and petrie on that right side that's a one of the best right sides you're gonna find in the nhl and victor Mete, he's not a bad young kid too and even ben Sherrod, he's not the greatest but i mean he's he's pretty serviceable he's not a bad player on that top four there you're definitely forgetting one big name coming in is Alexander Romanov. Is he going to be in for the playoffs though? He is. He signed his entry level. If he's in for the he's in for the playoffs, so that that might be. I'm not going to call it an X factor. He's not that much of a difference, but that could give him a huge boost. I mean, you definitely see if you if you look at kind of the storylines coming into the playoffs for the Canadians, it's it's Price who's he's in his 30s. He's cup chasing. He's got Weber with him. It could be something interesting, but at the same time, you know, you look at like all these sixteen teams. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you boys with the question of who you, who do you think has the best chances of that number one overall pick? 
obviously everybody coming in, all eight teams that get eliminated are going to have a 12.5% chance each. But who do we really see as a team that can win this thing? I I hate to say it. If Chicago takes Edmonton out, I mean, you've seen it how many times now? Is it four, four, is it four wins now? McDavid, Yakupov, Nugent Hopkins. There's that just three. And Hall, so that's four. I mean, it would not surprise me in the slightest. It'd be extremely disappointing. But if, uh, if Chicago was able to take out Edmonton, uh, I, it's, I'm speechless. And maybe, maybe Arizona too. They got Taylor Hall. So, I mean, no offense, but I don't really see Montreal beating Pittsburgh. So I think they have some bad face. I'm I'm sorry, but I just, I just don't see it. So I think Montreal has a, a pretty solid chance there. I gotta be honest. I don't, I don't know if I see Winnipeg beating Calgary. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just playing with it. I'm just playing with it. I'm just playing with it. But uh, definitely one of the one of the. I'm gonna ask the boys another one here. Who do you think could be the biggest shocking teams to make it through the play-in and maybe even have a chance at shooting for the cup? I think I'm going back to my same thing between Edmonton, and Chicago. Chicago takes with Edmonton. I mean, you look at the Stanley Cup core they got. All the veterans: Taves, Kane, Keith, Crawford. They've been there. They know how to do it. It it would not surprise me if they beat Edmonton and they go on. And I believe they would play, I want to say Dallas, if it would just stay the same seed and stay, stay the same. Uh, just the veteran leadership they got there. Um, if we're talking about dark horse teams, and I could see Vancouver making a, a solid push up the West because mm-hmm. they have a lot of young players um, who are kind of starting to enter their prime. And they're a pretty fast team. They have a, a strong playoff mentality. That's the sort of team that has a lot of hype, a lot of energy um, to their play. And teams like that can, can go far. They can really put up um, upsets there. Uh, you didn't even mention the X Factor, Jacob Markstrom. He, oh, yeah. he can stand on his head. He's been as good as, almost as good as Hellbuck this season. Markstrom, can, if he keeps up his play, if he keeps up what he's been doing this year, there is – I don't see why – the Canucks could not at least go to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I, I think they're for sure beating Minnesota. Uh, I think so, too. When you look at that Minnesota top four, it's it's one of the best in the league, if not top three. You got Sutter, uh, Ryan Suter, you got Matt Dumba, you got Jared Spurgeon, you got Jonas Brodin. That's true. But then you look at the forward group, it's, it's a bit older. It's not as deep as the Canucks. The, Stalock's been pretty good this year, but again, I just don't think we've seen enough from Stalock. I give the clear advantage to Markstrom and Goal. I just if even if the Canucks okay if the Canucks go to the Western Conference Final I'm not surprised if they go and they beat in the Conference Finals they go and beat one of St Louis Dallas Colorado and I think they that would be a surprise to me the, yeah I I agree I think if they if they were to make it to the Western Conference Finals I wouldn't be surprised but if they were actually to make it to the Cup Finals then I'd be shocked at that point mm-hmm. so I think the Canucks are a threat to knock off um, some stronger teams in the West, but I wouldn't really say they're a threat for the, uh, the cup. On that note of goaltenders right now, I just want to uh, kick in a little side note here. Just a, just a little joke. Maybe as some of y'all want to take it like that, but uh, do we see David Ayers getting any playing time against Toronto there in a Columbus Jersey? Oh, I mean, they could consider signing him. They could, they realistically, they could What if they did it just for like the meme sake though. 
Like, could you imagine if they're <laughs> up? Like, imagine if they're up two nothing in that playing series, and then they go sign David Ayers. Just, just salt in the wound. Like, if you're if you're playing on the Leafs, does that not like fire you right up? And just, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, I mean, if, I, I, I think I, if you're in the Toronto Maple Leafs position, they're lacking goaltending depth. So I think they should uh, try to sign David Ayers before uh, their opponent can get to him. Because <laughs> I, I think. You know, there, David Aris isn't too far behind in NHL wins from a, like a, a Casacuo or, a, or even maybe Sparks at this point. And you know what? He's got two uses. One, he can play a full period for you, and he'll clean the ice in the intermission. Yeah. He's got a good point there. <laughs> Someone should jump on him now. He brings a lot to the table. I think you've sold Jim Benning, honestly. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if I did. <laughs> All right, well, that, that's going to be it for tonight's episode. Um, stay tuned for updates on our social media as far as any upcoming episodes. And um, I think our regular days we've selected are going to be Fridays to just kind of kick it off for recording. And we'll see when they get uploaded. But stick out to our um, off-the-post Instagram and Twitter for some updates on what's coming next. And uh, feel free to tweet or DM us suggestions if you want us to talk about stuff or even if you want to maybe be a guest on air. So from Brennan Werbin, Cody French, and Kaiser. Last name. <laughs> Ayanara. See you later, boys. See you.